0: Are you ready to study the Word of God? Yes or no? We're we're bringing this um, series to an end today, and then we have a standalone message, and then we're off into the Christmas series after that—a three-week series. You don't want to miss that. I want to give you a heads up uh, before we go any further that uh, uh, Christmas this year falls on a Sunday, and a lot of people are already starting to ask, "Hey, are we going to have uh, uh, services on on Christmas?" And the the answer to that is an obvious. Yes. I mean, what, what, what better way to celebrate Jesus than to come together and worship him and, and uh, just glorify his name, especially on that day. So now we're, we're changing some things up uh, because we know it's a, it's a unique day. We know that there's family dinners. We know that obviously you, you have plans like all of the staff have plans here. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have two Sunday services that morning instead of three. It's going to be two. And it's going to be the 8 o'clock and the 9.30 services. The 11 o'clock is just going to be online um, only. Uh, We just figure most people will want to be here uh, early in the morning, worship Jesus first thing, and then go and spend the rest of the day with family. And so we're just going to pack everybody in here in two services. And um, I want to say thanks uh, also to, I I probably don't say this often enough, but thank you so much for coming to the 8 o'clock service. I know it's early in the morning. But you're making a difference by freeing up a lot of spaces in, in the second and the third services. So well done, keep that going. And uh, if you have some friends that attend the second or third service and you want to put a guilt trip on them to come to the eight o'clock, just tell them, hey, you know, Jesus loves eight o'clock service people more than anybody else. And that don't do, that's that's a lie. Don't do don't do that. Um, but of course, you're, you're welcome to uh, to invite other people to this first service too. It just it it helps us out a great deal. So, really appreciate that. We're finishing the series Simplified and today we're going to we're going to be talking about how to simplify relationships. In fact, relationships specifically, relationships that are in conflict that there's some conflict resolution that needs to take place. And this is this is a topic that I that I meet with people all the time about loads of people coming in and talking and and asking questions and they just have relational difficulties. And, and a lot of times, I, I just help them cut through all of the emotions and just get down to the core of what God says about it and how they should respond in the situation they end, and they're in. And the overlap is amazing, meaning, meaning no matter what kind of conflict that you're in relationally with somebody, the, the way to live out the word of God applies to you no matter what the issue behind that conflict is. I, I'm going to say this, too, before we get in, in, in any further that one of the, that the, the relationships are really, they, they create some of the greatest joys in our life, but relationships also create some of the greatest pain in our lives. Have you noticed that? Like some of the greatest things in your life comes through relationships, but also some of the greatest pain, some of the greatest hurts, some of the deepest wounds occur when you're in relationship with others. And today, I'm going to help you simplify um, these conflicts in your relationships. All right, so let's, let's um, get to the Word of God. i want to give you four typical responses to relational conflict, and then we're going to hit the Word of God very hard this morning. There are so many scriptures we're going to go through uh, this morning. But four typical responses to relational conflict are, write these down. Number one, waiting. It's waiting to see what the other person does. So when you're in conflict with somebody, you're just waiting to see what, what, uh, you know, what's, what are they going to do? How are they going to respond? Are they going to talk to me? I don't want to be the first. I've got to see. I'm just going to wait and see what they do. The second one is we tend to avoid people, avoiding the person as much as possible. And you know you've done this. Like you know, in fact, you know that you've done these first two that when you're in conflict with somebody, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's somebody at work, you're going to wait and see what they do. Like if they act normal, you'll act normal, you know, that type of thing. Or the other thing is you're just going to avoid them at all costs. You're going to avoid them at all costs because you just don't want to be around them. You don't want to look at them. You don't want to feel awkward. You, You don't want... Sometimes you're so angry, you're afraid of what you might say if you get around them, so you just avoid them at all costs. The third one is, write this down, you prepare mentally, so it's preparing mentally for any confrontation. And what I, what I tell people is, this is the scenario in, that, that you're playing. This is the, the, well, if they say this, then I'm going to say this. And if they respond like this, then I'm going to respond like this. And you play out in your mind exactly what your next confrontation is going to look like and if they're very loving you're going to you're going to plan a response and if they're very hateful you're planning a response like you are preparing mentally to respond to the conflict that's in the relationship the fourth one is manipulating conversations to prove a point now i don't know about you but if if my but let me say it like this uh, my wife would 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 tell you that if that in any of these areas Number four would probably be me. Be, because she, in, in fact, I, and I hate to say this, this is really, this is really a bad thing in my life, but but I'm just telling you, I, I'm I'm human too, I've got flesh too. And in the past, when, when, especially when Jennifer and I were first married, I knew how to manipulate conversations to make my point. I, I knew what words to say. I, I knew how to I knew how to change I knew how to change the topic around. And instead of it pointing at me, it's pointing at somebody else. I tell you, everybody, it's, it's a, it's, I would say I'm gifted in it, but it's not a gift, everybody. It's, it's a terrible thing to manipulate those. Andy Stanley calls these the four C's. I'm going to give these to you. The four C's are, and this is how you manipulate people in conversations. It's, it's, the first one is convince. It, if I put enough information in front of you, then I know you'll see things my way. So I've just got to convince you. I've got to give you all the facts because surely if you know what I know, you would agree with me. So I'm going to convince you. The second one, he calls it convict. And here's what he says. I'm going to remind you of all the things that you've done or the things that I've done for you until you feel guilty enough to do things my way. Like I'm I'm going to... I'm going to put conviction and guilt and shame all over you until you see things my way. The third one is coerce. It's the person who says, hey, I said I'm sorry, so I've done my part. Why are you still upset? Something must be wrong with you, not me, and you need to fix that. So it's coercing the person. It's manipulating them through coercion. It's actually pointing out, a flaw in them saying hey i said i'm sorry that should be good enough. Well can i tell you something that sometimes in fact when jennifer and i have been in conflict in the past she would be the first to tell you that when i when i get angry it takes me a while for that anger to settle. Like it takes a while for my emotions to settle. And so some there were times where she would say well, i said i'm sorry. Well I was still angry because it didn't take away from what you just said, and and it was in her world. It was I said I'm sorry. Isn't that enough? I've done my part. Now you're at fault. You know. Well, the truth of the matter is there was some reality to that, like there was some because my emotions were still high, even though I knew in my heart, hey, I forgive you. I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna move on. I'm not gonna hold this again. But she's like, well, why aren't you talking to me then? Well, because I'm still mad, <laughs> you know, like I don't know what to do. Well, I said I'm sorry. Well, I'm still mad. Like, I, yeah. how many know? How many know I've been, you've been there too, right? You've been there too. Okay, okay, okay. And we all have that tendency. You're going to see yourself in in all of these. And I'm I'm giving you my weaknesses because I want you to know I'm I'm here too. I'm with you too. The fourth one is control. Control. This is a big one. You manipulate conversations through control. And it says this. I'm sorry if I offended you. But what I said wouldn't have offended anyone else. In fact, others actually agree with me. Like, I don't know why you're offended. That wouldn't have offended anybody else. In fact, they they would have said that I'm right. Like, I don't know why you're taking this so bad. And, And what you're doing is you're actually, it's a form of controlling them. It's putting your thumb on them saying, you know what, you'll not only answer to me, but you need to answer to everybody else because everybody else thinks that you're wrong too. And then all of a sudden the conversation. Well, who else are you talking to about this? And who who else have you expressed your frustrations with? Who else have you have you told so and so this? Have you told so and so? I told you that this is supposed to stay, and it just turns into a bigger a bigger blow up in your house or in your relationship. And I'm telling you, everybody, manipulating conversations to get your way. I, I, I tell you, it's it's not the right way of handling things, and I think you can see that. But it just comes and flows so. So naturally, doesn't it? Like, does, don't, don't we just tend to always go to those things? Well, I'm going to wait to see what they do. I'm going to avoid them at all costs. I'm going to prepare for every scenario. So I'm going to play that through in my mind. Or else I'm going I'm to manipulate the conversations to get what I want. And we all have that tendency. All of us do. All of us do. And yet the Bible is very, very clear as to how we're supposed to live life Concerning conflict in relationships. That's actually very, the formula is very simple. Okay, so let's, let's study the word of God now. We're going to go to the book of James, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you. Let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. Don't they come from battles that actually are inside of you? So a lot of times we're in conflict with somebody and we're saying, God, fix them, fix them, fix them. And in the book of James, we read, actually, when you're fighting, when you're at odds with somebody, isn't part of the reason you And instead of praying, God, fix me, it's God, fix them. I'm talking about simplifying relationships. And the first thing that we see is, it starts with me. It starts with us. Verse 2, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight, you do not have because you do not ask god and what he's saying is when you decide when you live your life waiting to see what they do or avoiding them or preparing for every scenario or manipulating every conversation what he's saying is actually you're leaving god out of the equation like you're not you're not having a stable relationship with somebody because it's actually a battle within you And you're focused totally on them, not upon yourself. And as you're focused upon yourself, you're certainly not focused upon God. You're just leaving him out of the the equation. You haven't went to God in all honesty and said, God, I'm just laying it all out before you. And I think this is probably hitting home with every single one of us here in this room. Because I think we've all been guilty. I know I have. So now we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 13 and 11. I'm going to show you another verse about simplifying relationships. And it says this finally, brothers and sisters, like those who belong in the family of God, strive for full restoration. Let's stop right there for a second. Because in a lot of our strivings, we, we have this, this tendency well, I'm going to strive for them to apologize. I'm going to strive for them to make it right. I'm going to strive for them to own up because obviously they messed up. And here Paul writes, hey, hey, listen, listen, we have to strive for full restoration, encouraging one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. And he's saying this. Hey, when you live your life to restore that relationship, you are not alone. That God will actually walk through that with you. He'll be with you. Another verse in scripture says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. And it doesn't stop there. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with God everyone. Oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, I could do that with most people but not with them. No, no, no. With everyone. Paul says here to strive for full restoration. That your heart should ha- should be a heart of healing and not a heart of conflict, of anger, Of guilting that person into submission, manipulating that person. No, no, no. Ours should be a heart of love, a heart of peace, a heart of restoration, a heart that's willing to solve the issue. And so what I help people do is to, is to actually work through all of those emotions. And 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 let's go, let's let me ask you a question that I would ask you if you were sitting in my office. If you were not emotionally involved in this and you were the one counseling someone else, what would you tell them to do according to the word of God? And the answer is always the same. Well, I would tell them they need to make it right. I would tell them that they need to have a conversation. I would tell them that they need to strive for restoration, that they need to live at peace with everybody. Okay, well, let's do that then but it's far more difficult to do than it is to say, isn't it? It's far more difficult to do. And some of you have been hurt very deeply. You've been wounded very deeply. And I want you to know that God will heal you. That God will heal you. And he'll be with you when you strive for full restoration. And that's what he says in Second Corinthians. And the God of love the God of peace will be with you. But you have to make a decision. How are you going to handle that conflict? How are you going to handle that relationship? How are you going to handle your anger or your wound? How are you going to handle that? I want to give you some points here. That's really God's design, not mine. It's God's design for healing and for reconciliation. And I don't mean just healing in the relationship. I mean healing in you. Because you need to be healed too. If somebody's wounded you, you need to be healed too. God's not okay with that wound in your heart. He's not okay with that. He wants that healed. And he wants the relationship to be reconciled. Okay, so let's hit these. Number one, instead of only asking God to change others, I must ask God to change me. That's the starting place. That's the starting place. Instead of saying, God, I want you to get them. God, I want you to wake them up. God, I want you to, you know, carry out your wrath. No, don't pray that. Don't pray that. Lord, what do you want to do in me? What what in me needs to change? Can I tell you something that's so important? And I want you to listen closely with this there there are certain times in which you'll have conflict in a relationship and you are 100% in the right that you didn't do anything wrong you didn't have bad motives you, you you're it, it's in the word of god it's the will of god and maybe you you stand in that and that's good that's good but a lot of the times in fact i would say most of the times when there's a when there's conflict in a relationship a lot of the times it also falls on me or falls on us, and it's not just them. And you've heard that phrase before, it takes two to tango, right? And and typically that's true. Every time I counsel somebody, I'll say, okay, I know what they've done. You've told me what they've done. I want to know what you've done. How have you offended them? How did you make this work? How did you respond in anger or respond emotionally the wrong? Tell me what you did. And almost every time they'll say, well, I did do this or I did say this, but no, no, no. I, I don't want to hear the rest of it. I, I, I know what they did and I know you, you're, you're defending the way that you acted. But our first thing to address is, God, don't just change them. I want you to change me. I want you to change me. We'll, we'll get back to that in a second. The second one, and I'm, I'm teaching you how to be healed and how to reconcile relationships. Number two, got to overlook the offense. You have to overlook the offense. I, I've told you this before, and I've said it, it multiple times in the past, and I'm going to keep saying it multiple times in the future, because people in this generation are easily offended. Easily offended. One one time, um, uh, we, there was a, a woman, and this is years and years ago now, there was a woman in church, and Um. Uh, we we served her as not only Jennifer and I but as a church family we served her and served her and served her and just loved on her uh, i mean we we brought her things and meals and she was kind of a shut in and and just uh, just served and served and served we even sent people over to her house to help her clean because she couldn't clean very well and and all of a sudden one she it, and my wife to this day, my wife says, Justin, you just never said that. She said, she she got offended because I said something about, I don't like birds. Now, I don't, I don't know why I would ever say that. Cause I, you know, if she said, well, you said you don't like cats. I probably said that, you know, I might've said that, but, but, but actually I, 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 I love all, of truthfully, I love all of God's creatures. I joke about certain things, but, but did you know that the Bible talks about animals, that they're really gifts from God to us? Did you know that? And, and so I asked my wife, I said, did I say anything about a bird? She said, no. And and this lady not only left the church, but just left it in an uproar. And I thought to myself, you know what? We have put dozens upon dozens upon dozens of hours serving you in the name of the Lord and doing all the things that you couldn't do. But you thought your pastor said one thing that you didn't like. Oh, I'm out. I'm out. Can I tell you? We live in a culture that is so easily offended. Let that never be said of us. You've got to develop some thick skin, everybody. I'll tell you, I, I have reason to be hurt every single week. And I'm not lying about that. I have reason to be hurt every single week. And I just choose to live a life in which I am not easily offended. That I stay in my lane. I know God's calling upon my life. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to overlook the offense. That's how, I, that's how I've chosen to live. And can I tell you something? That's what love does. Love overlooks the offense. Because Jesus, being highly offended when he was on his way to Calvary, he could have said, you know what, you people... I can't believe I'm dying for you people. I'm out. Lord, take me. Angels, take me. I'm not going to go through with this because these people are nuts. Right? He, He could have said that, but how many know that it was love that drove him to the cross? That he was willing to be offended for the sake of love. For the sake of love. And I'm telling you, everybody, we have got to develop some thick skin. Not, not only, I'm not, I'm not just saying here in Plymouth, I'm saying all over this nation. I, I, we are so easily offended. And the Bible is very clear about this, to overlook the offense. In fact, Proverbs 10:12 says this hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all Wrongs, And if you look at the original Hebrew of that, that covers over, that covers, it, it literally means hides, hides the offense in such a way as to be overlooked. Like, like you're literally taking an offense and you're covering it so well that everybody just overlooks it. You're hiding it. It's playing hide and seek with the offense. No, no I'm going to cover that. I'm going to cover that. I'm going to make it where not only I don't see it, but nobody else sees it either. I, I got more. Okay, Proverbs 12:16. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent, like the wise, they overlook. they overlook an insult. Ah, I'm not going to hold that against you. I'm going to pretend as if you never said that. How about this one? Proverbs 19:11. A person a, a person's wisdom yields patience. I love this. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Like when you overlook somebody who's offensive, who've said something offensive and you just cover it, you overlook it. The Bible says it's to your glory. It's as if God stands up and applauds you. Well done. Well done. You could have been offended, but you refused. Well done. It's to one's glory to overlook Offense, how many know we need to preach this message in America today to overlook an offense? People are going to say some things that hurt you, they will. You have to love them anyway. The Bible says, Love always trusts. Let me say it a different way love always gives the benefit of the doubt. You know what? I heard what you said. I think you're just having a bad day. I'm going to let that go. I'm not going to be offended by that. I'm going to love you anyway. And what you're doing is saying, God, I'm not only asking you to change them, I'm asking you to change me. Change me. Number three, we got to pray for them. And I know this is tough, but this is Jesus himself who said in Matthew 5, 43, "You you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. Let me say it a different way that we've already talked about a little bit. When you start praying for your enemies, it might not change them, but it will certainly change you. When you start praying for those who persecute you, it'll not only, it not only has the potential to change them, but it may not. It'll certainly change you. And I've, I've told you this story before, but I'll say it again very, very quickly. I was, I was deeply hurt, deeply wounded in ministry at one time. And this is when Jennifer and I first got married, just deeply, deeply hurt. And I went home. And my wife said, what are we going to do? I said, I know exactly what we're going to do. And the very first thing I did out loud in front of my wife, as when I was in tears, I just started praying for this person. And I'm telling you, it started a healing process in my life. The wound, the wound stayed for a little while. But God eventually delivered me, healed that wound. But it started by me praying for them. And when you pray for others, it actually changes you. It's true. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard. When was the last time that you you thought about that person who has hurt you and you actually prayed for them? Prayed for them. It'll help you do this too. Number four, write this down. When you pray for them, it'll help you forgive them. And you have to. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And we know this to be true. In fact, if you read the book of Colossians, one of my favorite books, you'll read the book of Colossians and you'll find out that forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice. It is not an emotion, it is a choice. Forgiveness is a cancellation of the debt. It is not an emotion. When Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, his emotions said, I don't want to do this. Father, take this cup from me, right? His emotions were everything within me does not want to go through with this. But he wasn't driven by his emotions, he was driven by faith and he was driven by love. And he made a choice. And forgiveness, then, is a cancellation of the debt. So when, when we now that we've been forgiven in Christ Jesus, we were saved by grace through faith, we've been forgiven, what happened was there was a cancellation of the debt. We owed a debt. The wages of sin is... Death, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ bore our sins, and he paid our sin debt. He he canceled it that day. His emotions didn't want to, but his love forced him to. And he was the perfect picture and is the perfect picture of love. Can I tell you something? People will hurt you. And you need to live a life in which you cancel the debt. And what I mean by that is, every time you think of that person, you don't owe me anything. You don't, and I'm going to love you anyway. Well, I'll, I'll show them my love once they apologize. Can I tell you something? That's not what this verse says. That's not what the Bible says. Well, I, I'll love them as soon as they... As soon as they pay me back, as soon as they make up for it, as soon as they apologize, that's when, no, 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 no. You need to forgive them. You need to cancel the debt. You need to live with this mindset. They don't owe me anything. And I'm going to love them anyway. Tough to do. But in Christ... You can do it. Nothing is impossible. And if that's your heart, and if you start your, your day by saying, Lord, I don't know what you're doing in their life, and I can't control what you're doing in their life, but I can, I can offer my heart to you and ask you to help me to forgive them. Change me, Lord, and let me live a life of forgiveness. I'm telling you, God will give you the heart. If that's really a genuine prayer that you have, God will give you the heart to forgive. And it's so important to the Lord. He says a couple of things about it. He said, listen, if you're not in right, if you don't know how to forgive others and not in right relationship with them because of your unforgiveness, this is a verse that most people don't like. If you can't forgive others, God says, I don't know that I can forgive you because it's not the heart of Christ. It's not the heart of Christ. In fact, the the Bible also says, hey, if you come to worship the Lord, but you're at odds with somebody else, just leave your gift and and go deal with that because it's important. It's important. Pastor, I don't want to. That's why you pray. Because God has this incredible ability of changing your want. And have you ever thought that healing actually begins in you before it begins in them? I'm trying to help you. By the way, if you need help in this more, if you just need one-on-one help and Well, pastor, you don't understand and maybe you don't understand the depth of it. Can I tell you, we're just a phone call away. All you have to do is ask and we'll help you. But you got to forgive them. Pray for them, cancel the debt. Here's the next one. You got to bless them. You got to bless them. This is part of the the prayer time I had that night about 24 years ago now where I went home and Jennifer said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to pray. And I prayed out loud. I just started praying for them, but I I didn't just pray for them. I actually, on that very night, I spoke a blessing over them. One of the most difficult things I've ever had to do, but I'm going to show you this in scripture. Luke 6, 27. Again, this is Jesus speaking, but to you who are listening, can I tell you something? Don't ignore God. Don't ignore God. Jesus specifically says to you, You're actually brave enough to listen to what i have to say and if you listen i'm i'm leading you to life change but you've got to listen to me but to you who are listening i say love your enemies do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you that you actually have to turn that around and you have to bless them Bible's not. In fact, I could give you so many verses over this, but here's another one, 1 Peter 3, 9. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, watch this. I love this. Pay them back with a blessing. Pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Let me say it this way. You have the privilege of speaking a blessing over those who, has, who have hurt you. And God says, if you do that, if you speak a blessing over them, if you do good to them, I'll actually turn it around and I'll bless your socks off. Like, I'll actually turn that around and I'll multiply the blessing. And I'm going to bless you in return. Oh, so so we say, okay, how many of us don't raise your unnecessarily, but how many of you want the blessing of God upon your life? And you say, I do, I do. If you want, if you want a blessing on your life, you got to learn how to bless those who insult you, who offend you, who hurt you and wound you. You have to learn how to bless them. Father, I just bless them with an outpouring of spirit. I bless them with a heart that is captured by your love. I bless them with all of the good things that you have for their life. Father, I bless them in the name of Jesus. And God says, as soon as he hears that come out of your mouth, oh, I'm going to pour out my blessings actually upon you too. I'm going to bless you. Well, pastor, I don't want to do that. Okay, well, we have to go back to number one then. Lord, don't, don't just change them, change me. You see how this happens? So I'm giving you these things in order, everybody. I'm giving you these things in order. You got to bless them. The last one. God's design for healing, restoration is do good to them. You just got to do good to them. Bless them not only with with your mouth, with your words, but with your actions. Romans 12 says this. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right. By the way, in the eyes of everyone, not just in, you, in, in your eyes, but I, I've asked a few people this in, in times past. I, I want you to do good to them, but I, I want you to be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. So if the entire church was watching you respond to this person, would the entire church applaud you and say, well done, you did it. Because that kind of reveals the heart behind the decision of doing good to them. If it is possible, this is the verse I was referring to earlier. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Verse twenty: In, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Don't overcome. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So when your when your enemy is suffering. Do your best to go and be a blessing to them. So let, let me give an example about this. For that person, and I, I, again, I'm, I'm using illustrations from years ago for a reason. I, I have so many that I could use of, of people who've just wounded me, who've hurt me. As I was praying for that person and blessing that person who deeply wounded me to the point where I said, if this is what the ministry is all about, I don't want it, I'm out. I was literally having those thoughts, I'm out. And yet, as I started to pray for him and I started to blessing, bless him and I, I just canceled the debt in my mind, I said, you know what? He'll probably never apologize and I'm gonna love him anyway. Had he called me the next day and said, hey, 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 Justin, I'm stuck in a ditch. Can you come and get me out? I would have said yes. I would have said, absolutely, I'll be right there. Why? Because it's the heart of God because that's what love does. No matter what you do to me, I'm gonna love you anyway. No matter how you you abuse me or how you offend me, I'm gonna love you anyway. I'm gonna serve you anyway. Well, pastor, I'm not there yet, okay? Okay. But let's start on the road. Let's get on the path to loving to that level. And you start by saying, Lord, I'm not concerned about them as much as I'm concerned about me because I have some things inside of my heart that need to be healed. I need to be changed. Ephesians 4, the Bible says, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as just as in Christ, God forgave you. So ask yourself, did Jesus die on the cross for the person who has wounded you? And you would say, yeah, he did. He loved them that much. And as followers of Christ meant to reflect Jesus in the world, we are meant to love to that level. And so we get rid of all bitterness and anger and rage and malice and slander. And we just love anyway. We just love anyway. I'm so grateful that the Lord Jesus Christ died for us, died for me, while I was still a sinner. That's what the Bible says. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. He paid the debt. He canceled our sins. That's the gospel. And we're called to live out the gospel every day of our lives. That the same mind that Jesus has would also be our mind. His thoughts would be our thoughts. His heart would be our heart. And I just believe right here in this moment that the Lord is going to bring some healing to some people as we start this journey, as we cut through all of the emotions, all of the pain, and we get to the reality of the word of God. We simplify and just look at the word of God. And we ask that question, God, what would you have me do? Okay, first of all, Lord, change me. Change me. I want you to help me. Help me in my relationship with them. Help me to do it God's way. Help help me to pray for them. Help me to bless them, to forgive them, to overlook the offense. Help me to live the life that you've called me to live. I'm going to ask you a question. You just stay seated here, right here, right now. Could you just close your eyes for a moment? Have you been wounded? Have you been, have you been hurt? And your, your emotions are just up and down. And after hearing this, you know what you should do. You know how you should respond. And today you're, you're coming to that conclusion. I want to. I want to do this God's way. And you're just going to start this journey today by asking the Lord for help. I'd like to know who you are so that I can pray with you, I can pray for you. And I think God wants to see just this a step of faith on your part. Say, today, Lord, I start the journey of healing, of reconciliation. I start the journey today. And you're going to ask the Lord to help you. Would, you. would you just raise your hand really high? Let me see who you are. Yeah, multiple hands. Multiple hands. I'm so sorry you've been hurt. You can put your hands down. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry somebody's wounded you. It wasn't the heart of God. Father, heal my family today. Jesus, you are the one that heals our wounds. You heal our hearts. Your word says you actually bind up the brokenhearted. Father, before we go any further, in this journey, and we before we take this, these steps of faith, and it will require faith to overlook the offense and to pray and to forgive and to bless them and do good to them. Of all the times that we've complained about them, Father, we start today by turning that around, saying, Lord, here I am, work in me change me and help me to live a life of love the type of life that would glorify you the type of life that's expressed in your word and expressed in my Savior Jesus Christ help me to live a life of true love and heal me Lord. Heal my heart. Heal my mind. Heal my emotions. Father, I pray that what the devil meant for destruction in my life, what the devil intended to do was to destroy things in my life and relationships in my life. Father I thank you in advance that restoration reconciliation is going to take place as I surrender my life to you and live according to your word Father I pray that you would restore the relationship in my life that has been broken and start the work in me that's what I pray and I pray it in Jesus' name. Now would you very quietly, no moving around, just stand up. Would you do that? For those of you who are not only in this room but are watching online. And we now have people watching online in all three services. I want to say this that I'm so grateful that forgiveness in Christ includes a cancellation of the debt. I stand here today forgiven and cleansed from all of my sins not because I deserve it but simply because because I I called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I called out to him in my sin and I said Jesus I need a savior would you save me and he said yes and he cancelled the debt and I'm wondering if you've done that Whether you're in this room or watching online, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that right now, to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says he'll do it. He'll forgive you if you just ask. And I'd like you to bow your heads one more time. And we're going to pray a simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I know I have sinned and fallen short of what you called me to do and how you called me to live. I've failed and I've sinned against you. And I'm in need of a Savior and I'm asking you, Jesus, save me, wash me, clean, purify my heart and my mind. Today is the day of my salvation. And I'm so grateful that you said, whoever calls upon you, whoever calls out in repentance and in faith, you always say yes, that you'll always forgive. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what your word says. And I thank you that today is a day of salvation in my life. Jesus, you are Lord and you're my Lord. Help me to live a life that honors you in all things at all times. In Jesus' name, I pray it. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we have a book for you at guest services. Just go and pick this up called Fresh Start. It's going to help you out a bunch. If you need help with relational issues, please call us and we'll help you. We'll walk you through that. God's going to do the miraculous. And I'm going to continue to pray for healing in your life and in your heart. You received the word of the Lord today, yes or no? I love you so very, very much. Have a great day, everybody. God bless you guys. Remember, one invitation can change a life, so don't come alone next, next week. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.